Good afternoon, and welcome to iWolves, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show hosted by Dr. Ian Dunbar. iWolves is proudly sponsored by Premier Pet Products and The Kong Company. In this hour, Dr. Dunbar will help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view. Now here's your host, Dr. Dunbar. Hi, this is Dr. Dunbar's iWolves, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show to help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view and to learn what you can learn from your dog. So it's hello from me, Dr. Ian Dunbar. Hello from Dune. Hello from Claude. And hello from Ollie. And the topic this week is problems, problems, problems. Problem, what problem? Um, when we live with dogs, we often get problems. Living with dogs is all about relationships. Um, when owners enjoy the dog's behavior and company, the relationship blossoms. When pets misbehave, uh, the relationship sours. Unfortunately, dog behavior, temperament, and training problems are extremely common and utterly predictable. Uh, temperament problems make a dog a challenge to live with, and behavior and training problems are the number one terminal illness for pet dogs. Behavior, temperament, and training problems are the most common reason for people to surrender or abandon their dogs. And ironically, all behavior, temperament, and training problems may be so easily prevented, and most may be resolved. The secret is to try and see things from the dog's point of view. People often consider the dog's behavior to be inappropriate, unacceptable, problematic. Um, however, the dog views these so-called problems as quite normal, natural, and in fact necessary dog behavior. Um, this, of course, is, is quite the culture clash here. So uh, from the dog's point of view, our two dogs, Theo and Grasshopper, are taking a break this week. And instead, I thought I would read from a dialogue. Um, this is actually a conversation I had with my first Malamute, Omaha, way back in 1982. Um, it was a real conversation that uh, he was sitting beside me as I typed, um, this was before the age of computers, of course, and I was typing, and um, I just sort of imagined, tried to get into his head, um, you know, how would he answer these questions? And so this is, uh, and it's extracted from the book, How to Teach a New Dog Old Tricks. This is Dialogue Between the Doctor and the Dog. Um, I, of course, <laughs> am the doctor, and the dog is uh, Omaha, my Malamute pup. Why do dogs misbehave? Who's to say we misbehave? We, we dogs hold that our behavior is quite exemplary. Okay, we, the people, think dogs misbehave. Let's be a little more precise then and ask, why do dogs chase, chew, dig, snarl, snap, bite, and bite? Largely because we're dogs, I suppose. Surely you'd be a mite surprised if we flew... <laughs> did crosswords, kept bones in the fridge, mooed, meowed, and urged our lawyers to sue adversaries. Okay, okay. Granted, all dogs' activities are quite normal and necessary ingredients of the natural canine behavior repertoire. So it's not so much that the dogs, that the behaviors are abnormal in themselves, but rather the behaviors are simply inappropriate in the domestic setting. Well, yes and no. I guess it depends on your perspective. We dogs do not necessarily consider our behavior inappropriate even. On the contrary, a Yorkie friend of mine considers deep pile carpet the cutting edge in domestic toilets, quite the most perfect place to pee in the entire household. You don't get your feet wet when you pee on carpets. And old Jack Russell willingly admits that a freshly tilled annual border offers ideal terra softa for excavations, considering, of course, the delicate nature of his paws softened from years of domestic living. So, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is that dog behaviors are perfectly normal and natural, and necessary, and necessary in the wild, and in the domestic setting, and in the domestic setting. And so, the onus lies with the owner to provide and indicate mutually acceptable and appropriate outlets for our necessary doggy activities. Otherwise, otherwise, 
Otherwise, we are forced to improvise in our quest for occupational therapy to pass the time of day. And no doubt you'll get it wrong, right? Right. And then we get punished for breaking rules that we didn't even know existed. Well, that's not fair. Well, it hardly makes us happy. I should say that as a breed here, Malamutes are just renowned for their biting, lytotic sarcasm. Hmm, have you ever tried explaining to your owners that you are unaware of any wrongdoing? Sure, every time they come home. And what happens? They punish us when we run to greet them at the door. Perhaps they don't like the exuberant goosing, pouring, licking and jumping up. Why don't you sit? That's a good idea, never thought of that. But they loved all the attention and physical affection when we were puppies. Our guess, our only crime is that we grew. What I meant to say was, why don't you sit down and talk it out with your owners? Oh, they never listen. Whenever we sit, they just say, he'll sit, he'll sit, and after going round in squares, we come back to where we started. It all seems so pointless. Have you tried pleading with your owners? All the time. But it's always worse if we act obsequiously. Then they assume we misbehaved on purpose and punish us all the more severely. Don't you ever get angry? If we get angry, they kill us. That's terrible. What can I possibly do to help the plight of pet dogs? Well, for starters, you might consider publishing a puppy training manual for people. Consider it done. So this was the dialogue I had way back in 1982. Um, and I did, in fact. It was the beginning of the book. Um, I finished writing the book, and that was How to Teach a New Dog Old Tricks. And by a new dog, we mean either uh, a puppy or you have adopted a new dog or a dog that's just new to training. Um, this is it's a great book to start with. Um, what we learn from this is that many dog behaviors which are viewed as problematic by people are, in fact, normal, natural and necessary dog behaviors, which are just expressed in a fashion that we find to be inappropriate or unacceptable. So really a pressing item in, in any puppy's educational agenda is to teach the puppy to redirect his normal, natural and necessary doggy behaviours to appropriate and acceptable outlets. Or I should say to outlets that we think are appropriate and acceptable. I.e. we need to teach the puppy a number of things. Um, we need to teach the puppy where to eliminate. See, peeing and pooping are not wrong. The dog has to pee, he has to poop. We need to teach him where. Similarly, we need to teach the dog what to chew. Um, that slippers and chair legs and carpets, you know, are, are not things we want chewed, whereas a Kong, a squirrel dude is. These are chew toys, and these chew toys are for the dog to chew. Somebody has to teach it, though. It's no good just putting the toy on the floor. We need to teach them where to dig. We need to teach them when to bark, etc. So we need to teach the dogs where to eliminate, what to chew, where to dig, and when to bark. The three R's of behavior problems are restrict, redirect, reward. Basically, we want to restrict the dog's uh, unsupervised freedom um, Shut the bedroom door is the expression that we have in the dog training world. Um, this actually comes from a question that a lady asked me in a lecture in England. I was giving a lecture in England to dog trainers, and um, at the end of the lecture, a whole group of trainers was you know, like circled around me asking questions, and this lady comes pushing through, and she had an umbrella, and she was like tapping people with the umbrella. Out of my way! Out of my way! Let me through! And she had this hat on, like a Carmen Miranda hat with you know, fruit on it. And and she comes up to me and she says, I have a, pro a problem. And of course I thought, yes, you, actually you do have a problem, lady, but neither here nor there. And I looked at the other people and, and they sort of acknowledged, take her question, we know her, she's a little strange. So I said, and, and, and what is your, your problem, um, ma'am? And she said, my Yorkie peed on my bed. And so I said, oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. That was a mistake, making fun of it. She, she wasn't amused. And so um, I said, well, you know, 
bad news and good news. You know, the bad news is that's a really horrible problem that the Yorkie, even though he's got a small bladder, is peeing on your bed. But the good news is that we can nip this problem in the bud. And um, <laughs> this lady said to me, what do you mean, nip it in the bud, you silly little man? She actually said those words, you silly little man. This dog has been doing this for ten years. And I sort of think, oh, my word. You know, I can understand a dog peeing on the bed once, but not for ten years. So I said, well, I do have the answer to your problems. And she said, oh, and what, prey may that be? <laughs> I don't believe the word she used. And so I said, why don't you shut the bedroom door? And to my surprise, she said, oh, what a jolly good idea. Thank you. And, and she wandered off. And I, I was just thinking, I mean... Wow. I mean, number one, to think someone wouldn't think of shutting the bedroom door, keeping the dog out of the bedroom. But number two, that she would think it's an incredible idea, that it's like, you know, a flash from the brain of Einstein or something. Um, but it is a good idea. So shut the bedroom door. By that we mean keep your dog confined to an area where he can't do any damage until you've taught him the rules of the house, especially where to eliminate, what to chew, and when to bark. So we need to restrict the dog's unsupervised freedom. And, and we will put this dog into an, an errorless learning like management system where the dog can help train himself when he is confined. We then want to redirect the behavior to an appropriate and acceptable outlet. Um, putting the problem on cue is going to make this much, much easier to do, to teach the dog to pee on command, to teach the dog to chew or to find a chew toy. Um, really facilitates this. And then we want to reward the appropriate expression of behavior. Um, this is where humans, you just, we just fall flat on our faces. I mean, we don't know how to say thank you. That even dogs which are occasionally bad, most of the time they're being good, they're getting it right, and we just take that good behavior for granted. We really do have to praise the dog for doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. If that puppy pees in his toilet, we want, where's that good boy? We got, I want that puppy to think he's done the most wonderful and glorious thing in the world. Get down on our hands and knees. Let's French kiss this dog. Let's pat him on the head. Let's give him three liver treats. Let this puppy know for once he was right. Um, let's praise him for chewing chew toys. Uh, let's praise him for being quiet. Very few people do that. Yeah, the owners will make a noise if the dog barks. They very rarely say thank you when the dog's quiet. So when the dog is appropriately expressing its behavior, let's not forget to say thank you. Um, it really is human nature to provide very little education and then to punish the puppy for breaking rules that he didn't know existed. Um, and this, of course, makes training a bit of a drag because now training becomes punitive and it makes some problems worse, especially recalls and especially aggression. Um, think about it. Uh, we now have a short break. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Now you can listen to your favorite hosts on your cell phone by clicking the banner on our homepage, News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Hello, this is Dr. Ian Dunbar. As a veterinarian and animal behaviorist, people often ask me which toy is best suited for their canine companion. Without hesitation, I have recommended the durable and versatile classic Kong toy. The Kong toy is known as the original canine treat and food dispenser. Simply stuff a Kong toy with any healthy dog food or treat, and you have the perfect training tool. A food-stuffed Kong toy will stimulate your dog mentally, reduce frustration and anxiety, and ensure your dog is chewing on something other than your sofa. Fine quality Kong products at pet stores everywhere. Your dog will love you for it. Want to keep your dog busy with good things to chew? Premier's Busy Buddy treat-holding toys are the answer. Each one is designed to hold a different type of treat, providing hours of entertainment. Squirrel Dude features the patented treat meter, randomly dispensing kibble as your dog plays. The Big Kahuna Football includes the patented treat trapper, ideal for hard biscuits and intense chewing pleasure. Ask for Busy Buddy at your local pet store, veterinarian, or trainer, and be sure to check out all the other great Busy Buddy toys, including Waggle, Bouncy Bone, Tug-A-Jug, and more at Premier.com. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to iWolves with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. This is Ian Dunbar with iWolves back from the break. Um, before the break, we were talking about how sometimes um, reprimanding dogs or punish them can make some problems worse. Um, and this is especially so with recalls and aggression. Um, as I said, think about it. Uh, when you ask a dog to come, um, you'd much rather come to someone with a big smiley face and open arms. You doesn't want to come to someone who's shouting, get over here, you bad dog. Um, Similarly with aggression, you know, the dog, he has feelings too, you know. And if he's growling, um, there's probably a very good reason to it. And the reason is probably that he feels a little upset, he feels a little stressed around you. And so don't make it worse by getting on the dog's case. This is a time to build the dog's confidence and resolve the problem. So when too much training starts to focus on combating behavior and training problems, um, it can become very negative. And um, with too many corrections, reprimands, punishments, the dog may eventually display a variety of what we call learned helplessness behaviors. Now, before we get into this, again, I, I really want to accentuate um, the folly of dealing with behavior problems. You know, if you're dealing with a behavior problem, um, what it means is you didn't do too much homework beforehand. You know, dog behavior problems do not come as a surprise. They are very common. They are very common, as I said already. Um, house soiling, destructive chewing, excessive barking, uh, this is the number one ter terminal illness in pet dogs. We know that. We knew that beforehand. You got the dog. What do you expect him to do? I mean, yes, of course you expect him to bark. You know, we don't expect him to meow or moo. You know, we expect him to act like a dog. And so please do your homework beforehand. Um, I mean, do uh, download that free book before you get your puppy. Um, it's available on, on many websites, uh, jamesandkenneth.com, seriouspup.com, and it's available on dogstardaily.com. And so go to these sites, download this information before you get the puppy. For those of you out there now who think, oh, no, I did a pretty good job. I went to puppy class and my dog's really well behaved. Um, you know what? Behavior changes. Um, and... When I get, you know, problems, people present the problems to me, the dog is fearful of people, the dog bit someone, the dog doesn't come when called, you know, everybody starts the same way. And they say, well, you know, my dog was absolutely perfect for three years old. My dog was perfectly trustworthy for two years. My dog was absolutely wonderful and listened to me all the time for four years. And then suddenly, out of the blue, boom, we have a problem. Well, i got news for you, it doesn't happen. Happen that way. Problems develop gradually. Behavior never remains the same. If you work at it, if you train your dog, then behavior is always improving. If you don't work at it, if you don't train your dog, then the behavior is gradually getting worse. And it gets to the point where it reaches a level and the dog crosses, it, cr cr crosses a threshold and you now perceive it as a problem. So, do your homework. We know what these problems are, and there's only so many of them. House soiling, excessive barking, destructive chewing, digging, uh, escaping, uh, home alone problems, fearfulness towards people, fighting with dogs, biting people, jumping up, pulling on leash, uh, hyperactivity. That, that's it. That's 95% of everything a dog could do that's wrong. Um, you know it beforehand, so let's find the solutions out now and let's teach these good habits from the outset so we don't have to deal with behavior problems. If we wait for the behavior problem to happen, mm, the danger is our training will get negative. 
that many people, when they're trying to deal with a behavior problem, immediately get sucked into the whole correction, reprimand, punishment routine. And whereas really what's missing is just basic education. You know, always ask yourself the question, if this is wrong, what is right? If jumping up is wrong, what do I want my dog to do? To sit when greeting people, then let's teach that. And the brilliant thing about that is there's only one right way. And this, of course, makes teaching a very quick process. That You teach the dog to sit, now he doesn't jump up. So always think, you know, what are the problems that's going to happen? Nip them in the bud. Prevent them. If we start, you know, using too many corrections, and here I don't even mean like, you know, heavy-duty punishments, like you bad dog or stuff like that where we're shouting at the dog. I just mean that the dog's not getting it right. Everything he does is wrong. Um, he's going to start to get frustrated. And when they get frustrated, they start to improvise. They start to come out with new behaviors like, well, that didn't work, like running at them at walk factor nine and goosing them in the ghoulies didn't work, so let's try something else. Let's try pouring them. Let's try jumping up. And they try a number of things, and then eventually something works. They do something that stops training. They do something, the owner pays attention and just stops harassing them. So if we look at, say, uh, one definition of punishment, and this is a learning theory definition, and punishment has nothing to do with being painful or scary. That's in the hands of a trainer who doesn't know how to do it correctly. Um, punishment is just to decrease the immediately preceding behavior. And we can do this by being calm, friendly but insistent sit 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 thank you very much that's a punishment and it works we don't have to get angry we don't have to shout we don't have to get emotional and we certainly don't need to frighten or hurt the dog so one definition of punishment is it decreases the immediately preceding behavior and reduces the likelihood of future occurrence of that behavior another definition is that it increases the variability of responding And then, of course, the immediately preceding behavior, the one we didn't want, decreases in frequency because now the dog displays a greater variety of behaviors from his repertoire. And that's what happens when the dog is, like, punished and punished or harassed and harassed and harassed. All of a sudden he does something, like, for example, you're trying to get the dog to heal and sit, and he starts prancing, and he goes into play mode. Often the owner stops training and gives up. Like they don't know how to deal with this dog who's prancing. And in one session, the dog learns, aha, this is very interesting. When they tell you to heal and sit, you needn't. If you're fed up with it, all you need to do is prance and go into play mode. Give them a play bow. Wag your butt in the air, and they just stop training. Now, the sudden, the abrupt cessation of training, which the dog viewed as not fun, is obviously reinforcing for the dog. So these behaviors get very, very heavily reinforced. And in future training sessions, when the owner gets, dog gets confused or feels helpless, he will prance to stop the training session. The prance is trained in there, though. It's learned. So we call it learned helplessness. Now, of course, heaven forbid the donor laughs when the dog prances instead of sits. Now the dog will prance to start playing every time the owner tries to train. Um, dogs may do other things, and a lot of them are related to the, the way they feel stressed. They may yawn. A lot of owners stop training. They think, oh, he's tired. He's had too much. So now the dog yawns, not because he is tired, or in this case, slightly stressed, but he yawns because he's learned that stops the training session. Scratching is another classic. The dog suddenly stops healing and starts scratching, and the owner just stands there. And so the dog learns, if you want the owner to do a standstay, then sit down and scratch yourself. Um, urinating, defecating. I've seen people crossing the street, and all of a sudden they stop because the dog takes a dump. Now, you know, it's not to say be the big blue meanie here, and your dog can never prance or scratch or pee, for example, when you're training. What I'm saying is, no, if you're in training mode and your dog is meant to be healing, simply insists he heals for a few more steps, then sits, then release him, tell him to scratch. You know, maybe help him out. This is also a great way to put these behaviors on cue because you know the dog wants to scratch now or pee or poop. And so the behavior is easy to predict so you can quickly get it on cue. Now, a very confusing learned helplessness behavior is when the dog growls. 
or snaps. And, um, you know, a lot of these owners may interpret the growling and snapping as, oh, the dog's being aggressive, the dog's trying to dominate me, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, most trainers, though, would think, no, the dog growls and snaps because he feels ill at ease or helpless with the situation and the person who's next to him, i.e. the trainer, i.e. you. The dog is feeling uncomfortable and he, he can't work out what's right. We're obviously not lure-reward training and the dog can't work out the solution to the problem. So the owner's frustrated, and like, oh, God, maybe just sighing like that. And eventually the dog starts, you know, some behaviors from his repertoire. Now, it may be the growl was a play growl, as, as my Malamute used to do. would go, boo, and then go running off and try and end the healing. And that was a bit of a problem to deal with, especially when it happened in the obedience ring. It was embarrassing. There he was, five rings away, with another owner and their golden retriever, and he forced his way between the owner and the golden and was healing nicely with that person, not with me. But before he left, he just went, boo, which was his play growl. Now, it may be that the growl was play. Um, the, the point is, regardless of the dog's motivations, we don't know why the dog was growling. What we do know is it's immediately reinforced by the owner who stops training. Maybe they stop yanking on the dog. Maybe they stop getting on the dog's case. Or they just stop training. Um, could have been training wasn't that bad, a training session. It just wasn't enjoyable. So ending this session, which is boring, immediately reinforces the behavior. So now we do know the dog's motivation for doing it. The dog growls, the dog snaps, because it works. He's learned it works. The owner's, you know, grabbing hold of the leash and saying, heel close, heel close, yank, yank, yank. And the dog just goes, instantly the owner lets go of the leash. And the dog says, well, <laughs> that was pretty effective. <laughs> That's a handy thing to know. Now I know to stop the owner uh, in developing ugly face. So it's learned helplessness behavior. It's confusing because it's growling and it's snapping. And we almost always associate that with the dog being aggressive. So I think what we can learn from this is make training fun. It can be fun, so why shouldn't it be fun? And I think if you have the option to make it fun, then it's, uh, you're a bit of a big blue meanie if you don't. And make training rewarding. You know, Remember the difference again between the child and her father getting the dog to lie down. The little girl goes, bang, and the dog goes down immediately, dead dog. And the father's still going, down, down, lie down, lie down. And the difference is just the child made it fun. When her dog laid down, she went, <laughs> she giggled. So it's time for a short break again. It's Dr. Ian Dunbar. I will so be back in a couple of minutes. Unlimited talk at your fingertips. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to keep your dog busy with good things to chew? Check out the newest products in Premier's Busy Buddy line. The Bouncy Bone combines rubber, durable nylon, and replaceable rawhide rings for extended playtime pleasure. Fill Tugger Jug with treats or kibble, and your dog will be regularly rewarded while playing fetch or tug or just rolling it around on his own. Ask for Busy Buddy at your local pet store, veterinarian, or trainer. And be sure to check out all the other great Busy Buddy toys, including Waggle, Twist and Treat, Squirrel Dude, and more at Premier.com. Looking for the world's most versatile and durable dog toy? The Kong Company established the standard for dog toy performance and durability. The legendary Red Rubber Kong toy is recommended by the world's top veterinarians and dog trainers. A treat stuff Kong toy is the training tool of choice for addressing numerous behavioral challenges, including destructive chewing, excessive barking, and separation anxiety. Kong toys are available at pet stores worldwide. Get your Kong today. Your dog will love you for it. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to iWolves with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. Hi, it's Dr. Ian Dunbar and back with iWolves. Before the break, we were talking about learned helplessness behaviors. Um, this is what happens when training becomes a bit of a drag and the dog just, he can't work out what's right. 
Everything he does is wrong. So after a while, he just feels he's, he's in a helpless situation. And so he starts to improvise and occasionally comes up with behaviors which stop the owner training. Um, whatever their motivation, um, before the dog did it, uh, the motivation changes and it now becomes a learned behavior. The dog is now acting this way because it works. The behaviors stop the owner's training. So your goal is to make training fun. To make, you know, the dog's play times, uh, training times, or play training times, or interacting with you in any way. You want, you want to make this your dog's most enjoyable activity. Um, that usually when you, you look at people that do have uh, problems with their dogs, um, it's the dialogue that's missing, that the communication is not there. Um, that's not to say they don't love the dog. Oh, no, no, no. They may grab the dog and, oh, it's your, it's your little baby, din, 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 and they kiss it and they pet it. But that is not, I think, a standard house training technique. Um, it's not a standard healing technique, the famous, din, 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 din. It's a nice thing to say to a dog when you like your dog, but it's not what I would call uh, informative um, or educational. Um, the dog certainly learns, oh, my owner really likes me, but that, that's about it. So love is, is, is wonderful, but it's not sufficient when it comes to house training your dog or teaching your dog to chew, chew toys. That I think the big mistakes that we make um, as people, uh, we may make these mistakes with each other, um, and we make them when we are raising a puppy or an adult dog, is we just fail to give proper guidance. We just do not give the instructions. Um, it's as if the dog is going to learn it by osmosis or something and, and secretly suck the house rules out of our brain and no word is spoken. Um, no, we have to instruct the dog about house rules. And we have to do this in a way um, which is kind of like a binary language. I mean, we're speaking to a non-verbal animal. So, as I said last week, we have to teach the dog ESL. We have to teach the dog English as a second language. And the feedback has to be binary. If the dog's getting it right, praise the dog, for heaven's sake. He's getting it right. Let him know. Because most of the time, dogs are getting it right. And then if he ever goes off track, if he's getting it wrong, inform him too. Don't keep it a secret. However, you don't need to punish him in a way, you know, that hurts him or frightens him. But you do need to get him on track quickly um, to, to make it correct um, so that he knows what to do. It's unfair, I think, to have a dog in a situation where he doesn't know what's right. He doesn't know what he has to do to get the owner's approval and affection. The next silliest thing we do is then we wait for problems to develop. Um, it, it's too silly for words. And this probably, if you compare using, say, rewards or punishments in training, this to me is, is one of the silliest things um, about punishments, that you actually waited for the dog to misbehave um, before you, know, you can really sort of enact your punishment training program. Um, it's too silly. Let's teach the dog the right thing to do from the outset and really instill in the dog that he wants to do it this way. And then third, I would say, is getting frustrated. The dog is now acting in a way that we consider um, inappropriate or unacceptable. And, um, and of course, <laughs> he's doing this because you failed to give proper guidance and you waited for problems to develop. And then you get frustrated. Um, and generally, we take it out on the dog. And training is the quickest way to make training unpleasant for you and for your dog. So I think it's time we really need to um, just reevaluate how we approach this. And it's like one, two, three. Number one, give clear instructions. Number two, focus on teaching good habits from the outset. And number three, reward the dog. And this makes so much sense 
because, as I said, dog behavior problems are no great secret, no big surprise. They are extremely common, utterly predictable. So, house training. You know, what are we going to do? We know the dog's going to soil the house. The dog is going to pee and poop. And the dog likes to use his urine for, for marking. It's no different than if you had a new uh, flatmate or a, a, someone to come and live in your apartment. They would come with them, and the first thing they would do is put a picture on the wall. They want to mark the territory as their own. They want it to feel familiar. That's what the dog's going to do. He's going to pee and poop. So first we have to teach him, oh, by the way, we don't mark indoors. No, we mark outdoors. And we have a special urination post for you to pee on, and there's a nice fire hydrant outside. Um, And number two, for eliminatory function we have a doggy toilet or specialized doggy toilet areas and we have to teach the dog where to go Um, for chewing the dog will chew everything that that's how they investigate the environment that their view about everything is let's chew it or let's hump it i mean that's basically the dog's view and life give it a quick chew and if chewing you know doesn't work then we'll try humping as well and see what happens you never know you could get lucky so they sniff everything they chew everything So we have to teach the dog appropriate objects to chew. (coughs) It's no good here just giving the dog a chew toy. I mean, let's say we gave the dog a Kong um, or a squirrel dude. I mean, what is this dog going to think? I can imagine the dog's thought processes sitting down on the floor at a big red Kong in front of him. He's probably thinking, you know, what is this? This is some kind of bizarre adult aid, or this is a shock absorber from a motorcycle. I mean, it's, it's molded bubbly rubber. The dog hasn't got a clue. Or the dog's looking at a squirrel dude, and he's looking at this rubber replica of a squirrel, and he's thinking, that's not a proper squirrel. That's not much fun. It doesn't even move. You know, no, no, I want a proper squirrel. I mean, the thing's so mindless. The the dog cannot read the label. He can't read the instructions. We have to explain the instructions. Chew, chew toys. And the easiest way to do that is stuff them with food. Use food as a lure inside the chew toy. And as the dog chews, it comes out. That's rewarding the dog for chewing. Excessive barking. I mean, it cracks me up when people come to me and say, my dog barks. I mean, it really does. I mean, what did they expect that dog to do? I mean, they expect him to croak or meow. (laughs) Of course the dog barks. He's a dog. You should have known this beforehand and probably thought about how are we going to teach him to shush or how are we going to teach him to bark on cue? Um, Here again, of course, stuffed chew toys help. If the dog's lying down chewing on a chew toy, he can't bark at the same time. Digging, escaping. Um, These are often... Um, secondary problems. The uh, question to ask is, why is the dog in the yard? We know why he's in the yard. He's not house trained. He's not chew toy trained. So let's do that, and then we can keep him indoors where he's safer. Shyness of fear and people. Um, it's going to develop, you know. Um, yeah, the, the puppies are very deceptive here because a puppy should approach anyone. That's the way they're pre-programmed. If it moves, run up and say hello. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm a little puppy. Pleased to meet you. But as they get older, the tendency to avoid um, the unfamiliar increases. And this, of course, means the tendency to avoid a stranger. Um, they were okay with strangers when they were eight weeks old, when they were three months old, when they were four months old. Five months old now, you were noticing there were one or two people they didn't like or they were wary of men with beards or or boys uh, on skateboards. And then at eight months, ba-boom, you know, with some breeds like German Shepherds, you can set your watch to it. They spook at a person, and we have this problem. And, And we think it's appeared by magic. It hasn't. It's been developing the whole time. And you should have noticed, you know, when people came to your house and you gave them a treat to give to the dog, the dog didn't take it. So fighting with dogs... All boy dogs are going to do it when they're six to eight months old. So what are you going to do? I would say lots and lots of classical conditioning and lots of counter conditioning. Have your dog sit. Have him focus on another object like your fetch toy or your tug toy that you take to the park. Pulling on leash. 
jumping up, hyperactivity. I mean, here's your adolescent dog. I mean, this is, you know, how we fill our adolescent classes. So I, I can't emphasize. Um, one, be prepared. Do your homework beforehand. You know, read up on these dog training books before you get your dog. If your dog's well behaved now, read up as to what other problems could develop as he gets older. Give clear directions. Teach good habits from the outset. And uh, this, of course, is why lure reward training is the initial choice. And reward your dog. Here's three huge training nuggets. Um, errorless management hand feed your dog, and stuff chew toys with food. Um, these are just three of the most important bits of advice you can give to any dog owner. Uh, errorless management, until your dog is house trained and chew toy trained, keep him in long-term and short-term confinement areas where the management system will kind of stack the deck so the dog now trains himself. This is really neat, and we'll talk a lot about it next week. Hand feed your dog. It's the single most behavior-changing piece of advice I can give to any dog owner. If you put away his dog's bowl and you hand-feed him, you will have a different dog within one week. Um, I don't care what the dog's problem, whether he's scared of people, fights with other dogs, won't come when called. You hand-feed him kibble. Instead of wasting it by feeding him in a bowl, you'll have a different dog. The second most behavior-changing piece of advice, but certainly the easiest to do, stuff chew toys with food. No food from dog bowls, all food from chew toys. So anyway, it's time for another break, so I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Listen wherever, whenever, voiceamerica.com. Kong Dog Toys are praised by owners and trainers alike for quality, versatility, and durability. The world's top veterinarians have recommended the original Kong toy for over 30 years. Kong has become the training tool of choice for addressing numerous behavioral challenges, including destructive chewing, excessive barking, and separation anxiety. The key to successful Kong training is to insert healthy dog food or treats into the Kong toy to entice your dog. Look no further than Kong's stuff and brand dog treats, perfectly designed to fit Kong toys. Available wherever pet supplies are sold. Your dog will love you for it. Walk with me and put an end to frustrating leash pulling, lunging, and jumping forever. Premier's gentle leader head collar has been delivering immediate gentle control for years and has long been the number one recommended head collar endorsed by vets and trainers. Dogs love it because the unique design doesn't choke and eliminates any pressure on their throat. Pet owners love the gentle leader because it allows them to enjoy comfortable walks and a more satisfying relationship with their pet. Want to join the millions of dog owners that have found the secret to stress-free walks? Ask about Gentle Leader at your vet, trainer, or pet retailer. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to iWolves with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. Hi, this is Dr. Ian Dunbar. We're back with iWolves. Um, before the break, we were talking about three huge training nuggets, errorless management, hand-feed your dog, and stuffing chew toys with food. Um, I, I just really cannot overemphasize these three pieces of advice. They're probably the three most common pieces of advice I, I give to people, and <laughs> very few people follow it. Um, it's going to have a huge effect on your dog's behavior. Um, errorless management, uh, long-term, short-term confinement is just, it's so easy to set up and basically the dog will train itself, train itself to uh, use an indoor toilet if needs be, but certainly to become a chew toyaholic. The dog will just become fixated on chew toys, which then can be used for um, training the dog as a stimulus blocker, um, in terms of dog-dog aggressive dogs, for classical conditioning as a great secondary reinforcer and for everything. Hand feeding your dog is huge. It's the single change that you can make in your dog's management which will have the largest effect on the dog's behavior. Um, 
rather than in you know wasting every piece of kibble in a food bowl the dog's bouncing around you know and and you give him a whole food bowl as a reward for bouncing around it, it's such a waste instead hand feed every piece of kibble classical conditioning invite people over to hand feed the dog especially children so the dog loves people and children and the rest over um, food we can stuff into chew toys or we can use as lures and rewards um, for teaching basic manners so th- th- this really is the way to go. Now, we were talking about when, when training becomes too uh, negative, it's, it's a bit of a drag for the dog, and they may find ways to stop training with their learned helplessness behaviors, that dogs are social animals, and, and attention and affection means everything to them. They, they've come to live with us, and they want our attention and affection. They thrive on it. And, and basically, if we don't give it, then the dogs are going to solicit it, and sometimes in uh, peculiar ways. I remember years ago in the 60s, uh, I read an article by Michael Fox, an English veterinarian, and it was about sympathy lameness, and um, it was a condition in dogs where they were x-rayed and they just showed no medical um, problems whatsoever. The, the, The dog is perfectly sound, however, the dog will limp. And then they found out that this was related to um, the dog soliciting attention from people. And I actually grew up with a dog like this. Her her name was Scampy. She was a Jack Russell Terrier and belonged to my uncle who um, was uh, lived on the farm. And um, he was just an enormous fellow. And um, he loved this little dog to the Dickens. And every time he saw Scampy, Scampy would limp on her right hind leg. And he would say, oh, poor Scampy, come over here. And he would pick the dog up and hug it and everything. And at that time, I would spend most of my days as a kid just roaming the farm with our dogs, the Labrador, the Jack Russell, and uh, the Springer. And... um The dog was perfectly sound. We would go running everywhere. The dog would limp to get attention. And other ways they'll get attention is by regurgitating food. Dogs, as you know, can regurgitate as well as vomit. If they vomit, it sort of sounds like this and the food spread all over the place. When they regurgitate, they're bringing it up from the stomach for another sort of chew over and it's... And, and then you see a pile of regurgitation on the floor. And of course, what happens here, as soon as the dog's doing it, the, the owner immediately stops what they're doing and pays attention to the dog and says, are, are you, are you okay, Sparky? Are you alright? And, and then they, they stroke the little dog on his head. And the, the dog was just regurgitating the food so we could have another chew over. You know, maybe he's be eating some boring old kibble and thought, well, at least I'll give it, you know, I'll eat it twice and get double the flavor out of it. But immediately it gets the attention from its owner. And so in one trial learning, the dog learns, well, well that's easy. You know, it doesn't matter whether the owner's cooking or, or, you know, dealing with the baby. All I have to do is to regurgitate on the kitchen floor and I immediately get their attention. Some obsessive compulsive disorders, tail chasing, chasing lights, um, and a lot of these, of course, are breed specific, um, you know, very typical of border collies that they see a little white flash and probably think, sheep, sheep, I've got to hurt it, got to hurt it. But what happens here, the first time they do it, the, the people think it's funny and they laugh. And, and that's it right there. You have to be very careful when you laugh at your dog because he learns, oh, I can get their attention. And, and these dogs will just play the audience. They, they love the the attention and affection so so try and laugh when the dog does things like he sits and you go <laughs> that's a really good sit or a downstay well he's a good downstay i mean remember the little girl with bang and the father with down 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 that the little girl can get the dog down quicker because she laughs afterwards so be careful of laughing um, otherwise these behaviors once they start they are self-reinforcing and it's very difficult to stop them. Pouring, the dog will pour you, will hold a paw up, the dog will jump up to get attention and affection. The dog will whine, the dog will bark. And in some situations like this, it's really difficult to work out who is training whom. The, the dog barks for the owner to open the door, you know, woo, 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 and then woo, 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 woo. That means, you know, I, I want to be taken for a car ride, and woo, 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 woo. That means please cook me and serve me 
dinner. And, and here we have the classic example where the dog is talking and the owner is behaving. Um, another biggie is not eating. Normally the owner will feed the dog, put the food down, and they walk away. And the dog eats it. Occasionally, though, the dog may pause before eating. Maybe he's got a tummy upset. You know, all, all sorts of reasons to delay eating the food, and it stops the owner in her tracks. And instead of walking away from the dog, she comes back and says, "Are you okay?" And they're really worried. And the owner will do anything to get the dog to eat. They'll change the brand of dry food. They'll add canned food to it. They'll warm the food. And there've been cases where some owners have sat down and pre-chewed the dog's food to get them to eat. Then, of course, eventually the dog eats, and this reinforces all the owners. In some cases, extremely bizarre behaviour. Um, cats they go one step further, and they they actually teach their owners to shop. You know, and and cats just say, I, I I'm not eating the food. They they sniff it, they turn up their nose, and and the owner sometimes three in the morning they will go out and go shopping and buy a new brand of cat food. So sometimes it's really difficult to work out who trains whom, who is misbehaving.、Um, is it the owner or, or the dog?、Um, I remember a spaniel named Sophie, and and the owner, an upper class English gent, was so pleased he had trained this dog to shake hands, and he showed me. He go, Sophie, come here, sit, 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 sit. Now shake, shake, and the dog put out its little paw and he grabbed hold of it. He said, "Oh, jolly good show! Pleased to meet you, Sophie. Pleased to meet you, Sophie." But of course, what's happened here is the dog has come up to him, sat in front, raised her paw, which is a very typical canine greeting, and he just grabbed hold of it. So. Um, I, I think here, you know, this attention and affection. The, the dog needs it. Golden retrievers get it. They sit. They become sit happy, and then owners will do anything for them. The, the golden retriever will train their owner to be a good doorman, a chauffeur, a masseur, a, and a chef. So, what do we learn from all this? I, I, I think. What we may consider to be a behaviour problem, the dog views, views differently as a normal, natural, and necessary doggy behaviour. And, and so, you know, we have to teach dogs how to act in an appropriate and acceptable fashion. Different species have very different cultures and viewpoints.、Um, so do different people. So, when training, it's really vital to observe, to listen, and to think about what the other party is saying. Then a big trick, of course, is to convince them that your idea was their idea. To let them believe that they're training you. Well, for more information about pet dog behaviour and training problems,、uh, check out DogStarDaily.com, your source for everything dog. Without a doubt, the most entertaining and educational doggy site on the web. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Dr. Dunbar's iWoops, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show to help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view, and to learn what you can learn from your dog. iWoops is sponsored by Premier Pet Products and by the Kong Company. So it's goodbye from me, Dr. Ian Dunbar. Goodbye from Dune. <coughs> goodbye from Claude. <coughs> and goodbye from Ollie. <coughs>